But, um, all right, so the Lord has presented us with uh, what really appears to be a pretty big deal and a pretty big opportunity. And um, Sunday after church, uh, we're going to have our service, probably not be as long as normal. Uh, we'll turn off the cameras, turn off the mics, and uh, have a family conversation about what's going on. And uh, it's pretty neat, pretty exciting. And if you consider yourself to be a part of Boomerang, I absolutely, positively desire you to be here. Uh, whether you're a part of us now or looking forward to be or whatever, uh, definitely Sunday after the 11 o'clock service, I want to talk to you. And, uh, and you'll probably have some questions about stuff too, and I want questions. Uh, we won't know the answer to all of your questions, but uh, we might have an idea. But it uh, looks like the Lord's doing something pretty big is the best way I can say. Um, pretty exciting. And uh, so definitely want you to uh, be here. So, uh, Yeah, well, good. Amen. God's good. It's, um, it could be huge, actually. And uh, the Lord's doing some good stuff. But, uh, well, let's, can, let's jump right on in. And uh, we just, again, welcome everybody that's uh, watching here or online or maybe on an archive later on. But we're talking about uh, 2016 and uh, this year. But we're also kind of talking about where God is going right now, um, uh, the time uh, that he has us in, the uh, kind of the kingdom update is, I think, what we're calling it. And we've talked about it for the last two weeks, and we got really into it good last week, and uh, definitely some stuff in there that you probably want to hear. What we're talking about is not only kind of where we're at, but what what does this kind of age and this era, this span of time that we're living in right now, what does that really look like to us? What does it look like to the world? And what needs, what do, what's required of us? Um, I would say it's not necessarily required, but it is definitely uh, something that I believe the Lord has us wanting to act a certain way and do certain things. And what are those things? What are the things that will work? And what are the things that uh, really won't work that well? And so last week we talked about um, that in this age, What's happening is, and we talked about a lot last year where we said, be the light. We talked about in this time that darkness and deep darkness is going to be covering the earth in Isaiah 60. And uh, then, but the glory of God will shine through his people. But it won't shine through all of them the same way. And that's going to be dependent on how they walk, how they actually live. Um, and it's, you know, deep darkness would really, how many people have seen, I mean, all you got to do is turn the news on one day. I mean, it doesn't take 10 to find it. One day, turn the news on and you can see that things have been getting worse. I mean, just worse and worse and worse. And, um, it's, and that has brought a lot of people to fear, you know, and a lot of people have moved uh, from being okay and in a comfort zone into a very fearful place. And uh, that is never our place as Christians, the place of fear. But if we know who we are and we know how to operate in kingdom things, 
then we have nothing to fear because the promises of God will work. No matter how dark it gets, the promises of God are the promises of God while we're here on this earth. So uh, it doesn't matter to us. The question is, do we know who we are? Do we know what we're doing? And do we know how to do it? And that really becomes very real. And if you know those things, then you're going to be just fine. There's nothing to worry about. Matter of fact, you can kind of look look to it with some high expectation. Like, man, he's God's about to show off through through me. Amen. Let that be your testimony. God's about to show off through me. You know, he's about to bring some. And actually, if you go to uh, uh, Isaiah 60 in those verses, it doesn't even say it is God's glory. We know that and understand that. But God, in those by the Holy Spirit in those verses, calls it your glory. If you go back and look at that, he says it's your glory. In other words, he says, yeah, I'm the one who's empowering it. We always know that. But God himself is attributing that to you. So uh, we, we are in a partnership with God in these ways. And what an awesome situation we have. But... We need to know what we're doing. And so we talked about last week uh, three main areas, authority, AAA program, authority. We need to know our authority. We need to know our anointing and how to use it. And we need to know agape love and how to operate in it and what it looks like. Uh, We talked about we need to be a family. Man, now more than ever, we need to be a family. We need to be strong and solid. Uh, we need to be the church that Christ called it. The ecclesia was the Greek word, which meant a governing body of citizens. Okay, um, and l- let me just throw this. I was talking to another pastor today, and uh, the church is not a mixture of citizens and non-citizens. That is not what the church is. Uh, a lot of people have that idea today that when we get together for church that the church is the mixture of people that aren't born again and the people that are born again. No, 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 no. The church is the body of Christ. It is citizens of God's kingdom, period. All right? On my side, it would have been over here, but on y'all's, it was over here. I was trying to communicate well. So (laughs) it is citizens, all right? Well, that changes the nature of how we do church. Because if it's a mixture, then it's almost like a sales program. But if it's a body of believers, uh, then it stops being a spectator sport and a show. And it starts being a place where every single one of us brings our supply. And it's in here that you are raised up uh, into the fullness of the stature of Christ so that we can take the light to the world. Okay, You become not spectators, but participants. So we need to be ecclesia. We need to be the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that. But a mixture is not the church. Now that's not saying that we shouldn't have people that come in here that are born again. That will happen and should happen. But we need to understand the foundation first before we get to that place and understand what we're doing. We're not here for the purpose of that. We're here to grow up the body, to grow up the family, so that the family then can take the light of God into the world. And that's the 
biblical pattern you see all throughout Acts in the New Testament church. Uh, we, we in America have kind of turned it into that spectator show. And there's a weak, weakening of, the, of that. And here's one of the great weakenings in that is that uh, when it's a spectator, when this becomes... Um, this is a platform, a platform you can give influence. When it's a stage, it becomes a performance. Uh, so a lot of times you'll hear me use the word platform instead of stage. Sometimes I'll forget and say it, but I'm, I'm still trying to change how I speak about it so that it will communicate well. But a platform is a place where we can grow one another. But when this becomes a stage and a performance, and what we're trying to do is keep people here and, 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 and get people here first then what happens is it turns people into spectators well if you're a spectator and you're not here the only one missing and the only one that's lacking something really is you but when we become the church the word talks about over and over again how every joint supplies and every member of the body brings their supply now if you're not here you're not just costing you you're costing the people next to you too because you're a participant so when it's a spectator sport, it's, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're here or not except to you. And it causes us to become very selfish in that way and think selfishly. Church is not meant to be that way. Church is meant to be a participation. And, uh, you know, y'all may be going and all of a sudden, I know just recently several different people have had like dreams where God's given them and words to give to other people. That's being a participant. If you're not here, then you might not receive what you need. You might not get what you're supposed to give. And that we need to look at it in a different way. This is a huge part of you, if you want the gates of hell to not prevail against us and not prevail against you and your family and your household, this, being a participant, not a spectator, plays a big part in being that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, another major point that we looked at was we need to be in the world but not of the world. Uh, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Uh, we need to think, stop thinking, set our eyes on things above, not on things of the earth. We need to see ourselves as who we are. Uh, another major point was eliminate the spirit of division. Um, we need to eliminate that spirit of division. Number one, that means we eliminate divisive influences. Romans 16, 17 said, turn away from them. Uh, these are people that are constantly causing dissensions and divisions. Uh, the word actually tells us to turn away from that person, right? If they're constantly causing that kind of issue, turn away from them. Uh, number two, cultivate uh, a conducive atmosphere of unity. Um, unity is not just because we agree only, it's... Um, in I think it was the fireproof where they took the super glue and put the salt and pepper shaker together and then uh, Deb was doing a teaching on marriage uh, not too long ago which was mixing up the mashed potatoes and once it's mixed it can't be unmixed and once you put those two uh, salt and pepper shakers glued them together you couldn't separate them without causing a big problem because they had become really one unit well unity is a unit is one unit so even if we have issue you're still my family and that's the way I view you I'm, I'm never see when the believers get to the place where they leave no options open for separation 
All of a sudden, all of their thinking shifts and becomes like God and becomes heavenly. That's needed in this time. You know, I need to see, hey, you may cause me a problem. You may do something. But my mind is not shifting towards, uh, hey, we need separation. We need to break up and not be one anymore. You're not going to find that in God's heart is a covenant God. And when we as believers put down the worldly thinking that it's okay to constantly do that and we actually adopt the heart of God and the thinking we transform our mind by the renewing of the word, all of a sudden we start thinking and acting in different ways. We start moving in different ways. So let's say that Priscilla does something and it really gets on my nerves. If I'm thinking in non-unity, then I'm like, Man, I just, whatever, I don't even care if I'm your friend anymore. You see? That's the way I think. But if I'm thinking unity, I'm like, we got to find a solution to this. Yeah. And now I'm, I care about her and she cares about me to the point of let's come and let's find common ground. Let's find this unity, this place of unity. That's the difference between fellowship and unity. Fellowship is good, but unity is needed. Okay? Fellowship, I would say, is needed too, but unity is even more important. They become one, you know, um, and that's huge. We need to cultivate a conducive atmosphere of unity. And then um, we talked about uh, it's important to not be in division in this way. Uh, when God has placed you in the body of boomerang, uh, then he's always placed you in a place you know, are you here to do nothing or are you here on the earth to do something? To do something, right? There's never a point while you're on the earth that you are not supposed to be doing something. Okay? We're here to produce. Otherwise, we just go to heaven and hang out with God, right? We have a purpose here. We're, we're here to be an ambassador. We're here to do something. Well, what is God's system of including you to do something? Well, it's not just that you live all by yourself and hang out on an island. It always involves other people. That's his doing something. That's, it's all about people. It's all about the children that God desires in his family. Well, in order to do that, God has set up ways. And the word tells us that his ways are holy. And his ways in doing things is constantly, you'll see it all throughout the Bible in this process, he will give a vision to a man or a woman, to a person, and then he will draw together a team that will support that vision. This is his way. Every time you see it is always that way. You look at Jesus, you look at David, you look at, at Noah, you look at, you know, he had his sons there helping. You know, it always draws together. You know, look at Adam. He started doing something. He needed a team. God made him a teammate, right? A team team person that was mate, that was meted, metered out to be right alongside with him, all right? So he always does that. He gives vision to a person, then he draws together a team to be productive in that area. Well, when he says that he placed you in a body, which is a church, right? Then the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against because they will be the body, be the governing body of citizens, and they will be about a unified vision. Okay, so what their job in that body is, is to uh, promote the vision of that person. 
Okay, and those, that goes up levels, and and then you know, like I'm connected to people that we we are playing a part in their overall vision as well. But we definitely have a specific vision here in Stanley County. But here's the thing: if you are in that body and you are not actively helping and supporting the vision, then you are in division. If you're not going this way, you're going the other way. And you're in division. So in other words, when we have to eliminate the spirit of division, part of that, and we've seen that over the last couple of years, where we've seen where people, and that's because we specifically had been believing God for unity, and so God was basically putting it in people's hearts, you need to change and come under and support the vision. Don't just be present for all the rest of your life. Come under and support the vision. Yeah. Submit yourself to the place where I placed you and support the vision. And if you're not, then you're going to have to go because they've got to have unity. That's where I, the Lord says in Psalm 133, that's where I can command the blessing. Um, one of the things that's very important about that is a command, a released blessing versus a commanded blessing. Okay? Um, I could release a blessing, be like, let's say that this is the blessing, right? And I could say, look, there's a blessing. I release it. It's free for you to come and take. And then I said, hey, Rebecca, here's a blessing for you. You can come take it if you want to. Isn't that awesome? You can come get it if you want to. You can come get it if you want to. This is the promises of God. This is exactly what happens with Christians. You can come get it if you want to. You can come. I think you should come get it. There we go. Now, now, she's, now she has the blessing, right? That's a released blessing. But in unity, it says it like this, that it's where he commands the blessing. In other words, he says, oh, you're in unity? Be blessed. And just pour it. I'm so glad that top was on there. So, um, <laughs> he commands it. In other words, you can't stop it. You're going to be blessed. It's the same command that said light be in Genesis. So when we get in unity, we can't stop the blessing of God. So when we started to pray for unity, people either had to line up and support it or they had to get out. You know, and that's a good thing because it, it's forcing people to go ahead and make a decision. Let's get real with this thing, okay? That's what we saw over the last, uh, it ended about six months ago, but over the last two years before that, that's a big part of what we were seeing here at Boomerang. I fully didn't understand it until afterwards, but afterwards I was like, praise God. And man, stuff changed. I mean, things changed in people's lives, in their families, everything. You're seeing a raise in the anointing of God. Why? Because God's commanding the blessing over boomerang. Uh, we're going to talk about some of that on Sunday. It's an awesome thing. But look, too, <clears throat> this, is, this is just like every promise of God. Right? At some point, if he's made the promise and he's made it available and given it to you, your job is to get up and get it. Yeah. Take it by faith. Okay? I've released it. God's released it. you got to get up and get it. you got to get over being shy or like, is he talking to me or talking to somebody else? I don't know. Does he want me to get it or not? If he's made the promise, then you get up and get it. That, that actually worked out to a perfect example of that, of something that we're going to talk about. In just a second, uh, the difference between grace and faith. In this time, uh, Dennis Burke talked about being bold. And of course, we had that message a couple of weeks ago about be bold. If you hadn't heard that message, 
Go listen to that message because you need to hear that because that is one of the major places where the devil is stealing all the power away from the church. And, and we're letting them because we don't know the promises about boldness and, and the importance of us being that way. Um, amen. Then uh, in that minister's conference, uh, Creflo had this. He said, uh, the love, light, and power, the love, light, and power will be released as we expect it and move in it in boldness. So what we always want is the love of God, the light of God, the power of God, but it will be released as we expect it to be released, and then we move in it in boldness. In other words, just because God wants to release love, light, and power doesn't mean that we're going to see it. But in this age, we really need to make sure we know how to walk in it, and we need to make sure that we are motivated to do such things. Okay? We need to make sure that we have motivated ourselves, that our why, our love for God, has motivated ourselves to walk in it, to expect it. Right? Um, he said to move in the supernatural, and that's what you're going to see. You see right now in the heart of people that, uh, man, they desire to see the power of God, the supernatural things of God. Now, uh, to the world, it looks supernatural. To God, it just looks natural, you know. And to us, it should stop looking as something super special, and it should start becoming normal to us. Why? Because we operate on, in the things of God. We see the things of God. We expect the things of God. So it should become more and more normal to us, and people should be going, oh, my goodness, that's, you mean you can, just, you can just pray over somebody and they'll get healed? And you'll go, uh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work for you. <laughs> you know, we ought to get to that place because it's normal to us. Uh, to move in the supernatural and to be, for it to become normal well, here's a list that he gave. Know how to believe and receive. Know how to believe and how to receive. All right, so uh, he also, he know how to command and release the power of God. To command, you know, like storm, peace, be still. You need to know the difference between your prayers. Know how to command. Know what you're asking for. Know what's a petition. Know what's a command. Know how to believe. Know how to receive. All of these, there's, there's little fine details involved in each one of these that we need to learn in. And, and we, you know, a lot of times we end up thinking we know so much and, and we go to a good church and we hear a good word. But when it comes down to actually operating in some of this stuff, we don't really know the ins and outs of it. This is a period of time when you want to know the ins and outs of it. But that's not going to take necessarily dedication only on my part to tell you about it. That's going to, I can, I'm actually telling you about it all the time. The question is, are you hearing it? If you go back and listen to messages from a year or two years ago, you'll be like, he did not say that during that message. Oh, it's been there the whole time. You just didn't hear it. You have to, you have to basically take yourself, esteem that, and you have to discipline yourself to, all right, I need to know the ins and outs of this. I need to know the details of how does faith work, you know. Um, so one of the things there in Mark 11 is uh, it tells you, like let's say that we're believing for healing, it says... Not to believe for healing. 
Healing is the manifestation, but what it actually tells you to do is believe that you have received. In other words, I not believe that I'm going to receive. See, a lot of people say that. Well, I'm believing for my healing. I'm waiting on the manifestation, right? Even that thinking, that sounds right, even in a lot of word of faith circles and stuff. But even that thinking is not really what that verse says. It says, believe that you have received. So what you're believing for is that you've already had reception. Amen? And, that's, and then you have faith and patience inherits the promise. In other words, now, now that you've received it, uh, it's just a matter of that thing you know, becoming um, manifested in any moment. But a lot of times when we say I'm waiting on the manifestation, what we're really thinking in the core of who we are is I'm waiting for it to get here. And that is wrong. You're, not, you're waiting for it to get here. You're not believing for what God said. He said, believe that it has already gotten here, that it's already yours. Amen? So this is believe. Uh, so know how to believe and know how to receive. Uh, number two, know how to believe in the love of God. And this is huge because you've got to understand that the power that brings you the supernatural, that brings you the manifestations, is God's love for you. In other words, if God didn't love you, none of that stuff would be available. It's not available because you were good. It's not available because you believed only. It's available because he loves you. And so in other words, what happens is that love empowers your belief. It empowers your faith to believe that you have received. And if you don't know how to believe in love, then what you'll do is say, Lord, I sure wish you would heal me. I know I did bad this morning. I don't even know why you would give me such stuff. And now you're dealing in condemnation and your belief level goes down to nothing because love's not empowering your faith. You've got to understand that even if you did something wrong just this morning, just a few minutes ago, that God's love is not uh, held back from you. And it's not well, your deeds that make that thing available, that promise available. It's the love of God. Uh, there was a song that uh, Darlene and Pastor Doug did uh, one time called I Believe in the Love. And man, I believe in the love. It was awesome, awesome song. We need to understand, learn how to believe in the love of God. Uh, understand the grace of God. That's number three. And number four, uh, I'll, I'm going to put these together. Understand where faith fits. Okay? Understand the relationship between grace and and faith, and one of the things that Creflo said is this: grace, or God's love, you know, unmerited favor is how some people will say. His grace is what makes the promise available. But faith, on the believer's part, is what takes the promise, and they work hand in hand. Okay, so grace makes it available. Faith takes it. In other words, it's sitting out there all day long. You know, that's what we were talking about. It's sitting out there all day long. But faith without works is dead. Eventually, faith's going to get up and do something about the grace that's already been poured out, the promise that's already been made available. Amen? Amen. So understand the grace of God. 
And, you know, and learn more, not just about that it makes it available, but what is it? Where does it come from? How, understand the grace of a God and understand where faith fits. Understand and reestablish your authority as a believer. So how do you move in the supernatural? Know how to believe and receive. Know how to believe in the love of God. Understand the grace of God. Understand where faith fits. And understand and reestablish your authority as a believer. So uh, Chris and I were talking a whole lot about that the other day. There's a book uh, Brother Hagen did called The Authority of the Believer. And if you haven't read it, you should. And you should meditate on it. Don't read it fast. Go through it. Take your time in it. It will change your life. Uh, I put up a post on the on the Voxer on the little communication app. Uh, I have a post, a thread that's just like insights or you know scriptural nuggets that the Lord's given me that I'll send out. And the other day I put up the difference between somebody who lives a defeated life, somebody who lives a life uh, battling over the things of God, and somebody who lives basically a seated life, uh, seated in the, uh, uh, at the right hand of God with Christ, understanding that the battle is already won. Uh, you're, not, you're not approaching life from an aspect of I need to fight for it. You're approaching life from an aspect of Jesus already did. The battle is won. And, and you start understanding your authority. So if you're seated <coughs> with Christ, all things are under his feet. If you're seated with him, if you're a part of the body, even if you are the lowest part of the body of Christ, are not also all things under your feet. You have an authority. You have an authority. Let me, let me just say this. You have an authority that goes well beyond what you think it is right now, even if you have revelation on authority. I can promise you, I have an authority much greater than even what I understand and know about authority right now. I can promise you that. So I'm telling you, what I'm saying is, I need to grow in it as well, and you need to grow in it with me. And let's grow up in, in who God has actually made us to be. Um, let, let me put it this way too at one point Jesus says all things that the fathers are mine and in another place he says and, and everything I have is yours you have everything at your disposal everything did I, did I show you the picture of the elbow uh, the elbow uh, joint <laughs> um, well I need to so let's see if I can. Uh, see if I can do this real quick. So in, um, I just took a picture of it on the screen while we were down there. And um, let's see if I can get it as big as I can here. I see Jeff. I see an iPhone on AirDrop. <laughs> I might have it in here already. If you're watching the archive, just hang with us. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> I see Todd.
just send it to myself. <coughs> So the story is, while I'm waiting for this uh, message to come in here, the story is in Nigeria is uh, David Oyedipo, and um, in his church, they, um, they're building a campus now. They, they, see, they have four services, and um, what is the... They have four services, and... They are moving, I think, now to 250000 per service, I think it is. Is that right? It might be 50000 a service. It's a lot of people. <laughs> it's a heap load of people, right? Let's, let's take the very, very low number. It's 50, maybe they're moving up from 50000 per service to 100000 per service. That, that might be what it is. I know it's at least 50000 per service. I know that. So... 50,000 people per service, four services on a Sunday, 200,000 people in this. Now, and here's the thing. It's in the middle of Nigeria, was not built with American money, wasn't any big American preachers that were going over there just to support it and build it. Here's what happened. Um, they all of a sudden, um, yeah, I could send that. I'll see if I can get it there, and then if you can get it on that computer, you can put it up on the screen. Um, so all of a sudden, what they did was... Um, they, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to do that yet. Um, so all of a sudden what they did was uh, they got a hold of some teaching on the authority of the believer and, and uh, try to send that to the audiovisual boomerang Dropbox. Um, they, they tried to basically um, just go after the things of God. They got a hold, I believe, Brother Hagen's books talking about authority and talk about finances and stuff like that. The guy was a uh, door-to-door salesman or something like that, uh, Bishop uh, David, and uh, all of a sudden now they're running about 200,000 people at least in their services. And um, out of all where they don't have any money, like it's it's Nigeria where nobody has anything. Well, they got stuff now. Matter of fact, they got wealthy people and all they did was apply the, the stuff of God actually that church <coughs> is making the American church look like a wimp I mean it is it stuff that they're doing and supernatural stuff uh, Chris and I were talking the other day about some of the stuff that's normal to God this this stuff that they're doing blows stuff we were even talking about out of the water it, it's amazing what they're doing so one of the things God, what's normal to God is so much beyond us and uh, that what we've been used to. And we've got to get our mind up to uh, God's ways of doing stuff. Let's see. I might can do it this way. Just hold on if you don't have it. I got it. Oh. <laughs> I got it. It'll be there in just a second, J.D. So anyway, in that church, this in that church, this is like a small miracle, but it's just one that was so able to prove. Um, so there's a guy, and he has a um, 
his elbow was destroyed or needed uh, replacing or something. When you see it, let me know. should be in the folder. Um, anyway, his elbow. So they did surgery, and they put in a metal, like a metal elbow joint. And um, then all of a sudden, uh, they were believing. They're constantly believing for miracles and constantly seeing the things of God. This was normal to God. And uh, all of a sudden, he goes to bed one night, and he wakes up. And um, on his bed was the uh, elbow joint. Yeah, it's in there. Do you see it? There you go. So on his bed, he woke up the next morning, went to bed with that in his arm, woke up the next morning, and that was laying beside him on the bed where God basically had come down in the night and done surgery, and he had a perfectly 100% brand-new arm. So this is just God does that kind of stuff. All the time, if we would let him, if we would move with him. But see, most people don't think that stuff's available. And see, here's now's the kind of time. He, he would have done this the whole time if the church would have partnered up with him and actually been on, in this world but not of this world. If they would actually all right, you know, discipline themselves to go after God. All you're seeing over there, the reason you're seeing that kind of stuff is because you had some people that disciplined themselves after God. All of a sudden, you start seeing stuff like this, and what we think is important starts to become not quite as important. Yeah. And the things of God become much more important. And when they become much more important in your life, all of a sudden, these things become available to us. They've been there the whole time. It's just a matter of what are we believing for. So, uh, we need to see supernatural reestablish your authority as a believer, which means you need to kind of know what the Word says and what God says about you. Uh, and understand this, to believe with the heart means to believe against the body, its feelings, its emotions, worldly thoughts. And just think on that. To believe with the heart means to believe against the body, all right? Because the flesh and the spirit are always warring with one another. That means you're going to have your body that's going to want to take you one way and the spirit is taking you this way. So when we, when we believe with our heart on the things of God, the spiritual things of God, we've got to look at what our <clears throat> life is saying, what our flesh is getting us or desiring for us to do and say, nah, I'm not going to believe you anymore. Because what the flesh will say is you really want to do this. You really want to do it this way. You really want to waste time. You, you, this is fun. That's boring. That's line upon line, precept upon precept, scripture upon scripture. You don't want to go read that right now. And so you've, in order to move in these things, you've got to disp discipline yourself after Christ and to believe with the heart after the spirit and believe against what the flesh is telling you. Amen. Amen. The evidence of belief is... Rest. Rest is the highest level of faith. Those are a couple of statements that Creflo said. In other words, if you're not in rest, you're really not in faith yet. Let that sink in. Do, do, do. Okay, so if you're not in rest, you're really not in faith yet. And I'll tell you, I have absolutely found that to be true. If you've got something that's worrying and concerning you, you're not in faith. And a lot of people, now you just think about that. Before I made that statement, how many people thought they had been, apply that to past events, 
How many people have thought they've been in faith before when they actually weren't, if that's true? Everybody. Yeah. All of a sudden, it helps clear that out. Because here's what happens. When I really am in faith and I'm trusting God, what do I have to worry about? Not a thing. When I really believe it, when it really becomes a part of me, I'm like in the middle of the storm. It's whirling and swirling and, and, and shouting out how, what bad things it wants to do to my life. And I'm like, I do not care. I got the victory and triumph of Christ. What can you do to me? That's the boldness of the faith of God that says, I'll rest. You know, they had to wake up Jesus out of the ship that one time. He was asleep. They're all going, oh, we're going to die. And he was asleep. Okay. All right. <laughs> Think about this as far as authority goes. What good is a policeman? Think about this in terms of what we need to know in this age. What are the things we need to know in this time? Okay. Think about this. What good <clears throat> is a policeman if he gets in his car with his badge and doesn't know the laws. What good is he going to do? How, how powerful is his authority if he doesn't even know the laws? Well, you're under arrest. For what? I have no idea. How, how much authority does he have? If he doesn't know the laws. Well, if you don't know the laws about the things of, of God, if you don't know the authority that you have... How valuable are you? You can get in your car called life. You can go down the road of it. And, but if you don't know anything about how this stuff works, if you don't know the intricacies of it, you haven't given yourself to discipline yourself after that, what good are you going to be? Not too much. And you know what? That is exactly where the American church has been. Exactly. They're waking up now. There, there's, and that's part of this time. There's an awakening. There's a quickening that's happening. And on the inside of believers, they're going, I got to get some stuff right. I got to, I got to, there's something, this is real, you know. <laughs> they're waking up to it right now, and that's what's happening. And this is part of what this message is, is to communicate to the ones that are saying, I got to wake up to this. This thing's real. I got to discipline myself after Christ. For the ones that don't care about that, they're going, who cares, Brian? You know, whoop de doo Quit telling us all this stuff we got to do, you know. But the ones that are waking up to it, they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many people, you can feel that stirring in you just as I talk about. It. You're feeling that, that, little, that little motor of God inside of you going, mm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, this is real. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, let's get it. Yeah, let's run after it. That, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit confirming in you that what we're talking about is true. Amen. Um, two prayers that God will never answer. Number one, things he has already done. And number two, things he's told you to do. Things, two prayers he won't answer. Things he's already done. Lord, heal me. No. <laughs> what? Already. I've already done it. Why would I do it again? What a slap in the face to what I've already done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some, you came to me for prayer the other day, didn't it? Wasn't it you on Sunday? And I said, I think I said that to you the other day, didn't I? <laughs> but it was, she was, <clears throat> hey, I want you to pray over this. And I was like, no, 
<laughs> no, no, but you got revelation standing right there, and it, it clicked. It turned on inside of you because it was something that God had already told us to do, and she was going to ask him to do it. Well, he's not going to answer that prayer because he's already told us to do it. I said, you just do it. He's told you to do it. Do that, and it'll work. And that was it. I don't remember what it was, but uh, Bill, uh, Bill Winston said this, you got to walk in the blessing. You got to expect the blessing, you know, to be uh, walking with you. He made this statement, man, it's been slamming on me ever since. And you, he's talking particularly about money right here and prosperity, but you can apply it in any area of your life. He said, and just think on this. If people worked on faith like people work on getting money, they'd be billionaires. That's what most people don't get. They'll go out here and work 80 hours a week trying to get money. If they spent 80 hours to get faith and operate in the things of God, money would be all over Money would be all over them. If they worked on their character and their faith, and their hope, they could, that's just it. You can't stop it, but you have to see. Faith brings rest. And so they're not resting in the 80 hours because they really don't believe that God's bringing it. But if they would apply that same effort into the kingdom and his things and his character, they'd have all the other stuff. Healing. Spouses, money, restoration, redemption, protection. They have all that. If they spent as much effort going after uh, God as they did after the other. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. This is a promise. But people are not taking that because they don't really believe it. That promise been sitting there for uh, pretty much all of eternity, you know. If you'll seek me first, all this stuff, the physical things, if you look at that chapter in context, the material things, they'll be added to your life. If we really believe that, would we not find some rest in going after God? All of a sudden, we'd, we'd stop trying to figure out how to, how to get our business going or how to pay the bills. Because we would know that God's going to help us handle it. And all i got to do is hear from him and be obedient. As Stephen was talking about on Sunday morning doing the offering. He said that one trade, if they'd have put $10,000 in, if they'd have put $10,000 in on like one afternoon, by the next morning when it opened back up, they would have had $4 million, $3.9 million, $99 million, I think is the figure. Well, don't you think that God's big enough to have told somebody that? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be one of those people? And you can. If you listen and if you go after him, you can be sitting right in that space. But see, people try to figure out the markets for years and years, and they'll try to figure out every angle and every other thing. And all they need to do is hear from God. And if they'd work on their fellowship with God, he could give them that stuff. That's what, it, that's what Stephen was saying. You know, we need to esteem the things of God over all that stuff. 
We're wasting our time trying to figure it out with a human, uh, flesh-minded logic when we have the mind of Christ available to us. All we got to do is simply join up with him. Makes all that stuff easy. Puts you in the right place at the right time. Well, now's that the age where that is becoming very, very important. Huge. And God wants you moving and operating in these things. He wants life to be easy. Yes, I just said that. He wants life to be easy for you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, All you who are heavy laden, come to me and take my yoke upon me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He told us to come to the place where it's easy. Because he wants it easy for us. Yes. But we have turned it into being hard. (laughs) Because the world has told us, you got to earn what you, what you get. I do things the old-fashioned way. I earn it. I don't want to do stuff the old-fashioned way. I want to do it God's way. E.F. Hutton's stuff stunk. I don't like that. I like God's way of doing things. I don't mind, you know, hard work is good. We just don't toil for it. We're obedient to the Lord. He's got a much better plan. Much, much better. And and this is, you know, where it talks about in Malachi 3 about bring the tithes into the storehouse. And he says he will open up the windows of heaven. What he's taught, what are windows for? Are windows to go out? And it's the doors of heaven too. But the whole point is that you can see what to do. What he does is he opens up opportunities and then you by faith step into them. These are the intricacies of faith and hearing from God that if you'll grow in, you'll know how to apply them. All he's looking to do is present you with opportunities. But most opportunities, you have to take a step of faith into them. You have to take a step of obedience into them but if you don't know these things about God then you'll think that he's just going to pour out a big old bag of money I mean one day you'll walk out the front door and there'll be like piles of money thank you Jesus this is so awesome that's not how he does things he does things by opening up vision to you and then you step into obedience with that vision at just the right time that's how that system works okay I feel like I'm getting on to you I hope you don't feel like that, but what we're doing, what I'm getting on is not you, unless the only reason I would be getting on to you is if you want to hold on to what I'm talking about. What I'm getting on to is sacred cows. I'm getting on to these strongholds of mindsets, and the only reason you would feel pressure is if that's been your mindset and you don't want to let it go. Then you would feel the pressure of it, but that's not on me. That's on you. So, all right. Um, (laughs) That's, uh, yeah. All right. So, if people worked on faith like people work on getting money, they'd be billionaires. Uh, Mark Barclay said in this time, we need to get committed. We need commitment to the things of God. And this is so very true. Jesse said this. He said, belief. Belief. We've got. We're believers. Trust God. Believe God for some stuff. Step out in some stuff. Be bold about believing. Amen. Be bold about believing. 
when we're believing this, this statement, I loved it. You have to become mentally invincible. See, if we're resting and we're in belief, then all of a sudden the devil can bring us every plan that he wants to try and get, and our mind will say, mm-mm, <laughs> devil, you so crazy. Yeah, try that. You better try that on somebody else you know, because it ain't going to work with you. Because you already know you're going to triumph, and I will be obedient. You have to become mentally invincible. This is belief. He said this, focus on your priority, and you will eliminate confusion. What's the priority? Well, we've been talking about it on Sundays. It's the why. Focus on your love of God. And you'll eliminate confusion. Most of the time when people are confused about stuff and they're having a problem with it, it's because they've gotten off of the priority. They've gotten off of the why. They've gotten off of the love for God. And, they, and even the word talks about it. He says that the cares and concerns of this world, I would say again like this, the cares and concerns of the flesh have trapped them and entangled them and choked the life out of them. That's in, uh, I think, Luke 4. It's talking about the parable of the sower. It's the cares of the world. It, it traps them. It chokes them. So we've got to keep our priorities right, which means we've got to focus on why are we doing things. So in other words, when we're talking about the why, <clears throat> it's not just the empowerment to do it and the reason for doing it. It's also the way of escape out of the traps that the world has for us. It's the guardrails for us. If we'll keep our focus and priorities on, I love God and I'm doing this because I love God, it will help us to escape the traps. And most of the time when we're confused and we don't know what to do, if you, if you boil it down, it comes back to in some area in your life, your focus has not been love for God. It's been love for money, love for a person, uh, love for over God, uh, love for things, love for comfort, love for whatever. You know, but it's not love for God. And that, that's what brings our uh, uh, confusion. Believing must become a habit. Believing must become a habit. You know, this is really challenging me right here tonight personally is that uh, uh, somebody almost, really, it should almost be this reality that somebody comes up and says, what do you believe in God for? And you could spout off five or ten things right now that you're believing God for. And they should be right on top of your mind. Why? Because I have made my petition, I've asked God, I have believed that I've received them, and I know that I have them. I'm combining patience with my faith right now, and I will have the promise, and I know what those things are because believing has become a habit to us. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people in the church, we could ask them, not just boomerang, but in the American church, I think that we could ask them right now, you know, what are you believing God for? And they go, I don't know. I think that would really genuinely be their heart answer because that's where they're at. But we're believers. We ought to be believing God for things. In other words, it's kind of like this. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you don't have goals, are you going to hit them? So if you don't have things you're believing for, are you going to be receiving them? No. So it ought to be a habit with us. Believing must become a habit. Believe. Um, <clears throat> 
Living to please people is exhausting. Living to please God is energizing. A lot of ministers get called up in that. And a lot of like business owners and everything else. Living to please people is exhausting. Because <laughs> you ain't never going to please them. <laughs> Jesus was perfect. He still didn't please them. <laughs> That's the truth. He did everything right and they still killed him. <laughs> Ouch. So when we try to go about and set out what you think you're better than Jesus, that's pride. Okie dokie. Living to please God is energizing, though. When we please God, it gives us energy. It feeds us. That's where a lot of us have been missing it. And Jerry said, uh, Jerry Savelle said, you are to be blessed and you are to be favored. Uh, Luke 252. Will you put that up real quick? We've hit so much scripture tonight. We did. We just didn't quote it. Luke 252. Luke. 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 I'm your father. (laughs) There you go. Awesome. I was just entertaining myself. That was not a pressure on y'all to get it up there quicker. I was, I was having fun all by myself. <laughs> Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. We need to understand that God's desire for us is to grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And Jesus uh, kept increasing. He kept on. He didn't stop. He kept increasing in wisdom he kept increasing <clears throat> in stature that means maturity and he and he kept increasing in favor not just with god but also with men so one of the biggest things that we can believe for going forward and especially in this time is that you and i as believers will continue to increase in wisdom and and stature or maturity and favor with god and men I'm believing God right now that my favor uh, with him will continue to increase because I continue to do more and more right things. But I'm also believing right now that my favor with men will just grow. I mean, people will just start, I don't even know why I'm giving you this. I'm like, praise God, I'm believing for it. That's why, you know, but keep, I just want to help you. I just want to help you. And what are they helping me do if my heart's right? If I'm doing things for the love of God, what are they helping me do? To fulfill the vision that God's given us, right? That's what they're helping us do, and that's why we're here. I I just want to give to you. I just want to give you favor. I'm believing God for that because we're supposed to grow up like Christ, and that's what happened to Jesus. That's what he did. We need to continue growing in wisdom. That means I've got to purpose myself to go after and believe for wisdom. In maturity, I've got to purpose myself to go after and believe for maturity. Uh, this, I can't just come to church and be like, hey, I'm at church. That, that's not what this is talking about. I need to esteem it. I need to purpose myself. I need to believe God for that. Okay? This is where we're at. The world needs this. This is the big point of this. Right now, there's going to be a whole lot of people that do not know these things. And they're going to be going, 
how do I stay alive? How do I? I need the power of God. Somehow in my life, I need the power of God. Who do I know? I need something real and strong. Who do I know that looks like they are real and walking in strength? And that's when the Holy Spirit's going to bring to their mind, hey, it's that believer. They go to Boomerang or they go to wherever. But they trust God. And the Lord leads them right to them, and you're able to tell them it's because of the love of Christ. It's because of his goodness and his grace. You go after him. He is not a respecter person. He'll treat you the same way he treats me, which is awesome. And that's, that's who he is. Amen. And that's the place that we need to be in. That's our purpose right now. That's who we're called to be, to be the light in a dark world that people will look for. And they'll f come and find the glory of God shining in us. But it won't just happen. It'll happen because you discipline yourself after him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, right now, we just ask you. Lord, we just ask you that our eyes of understanding will be enlightened. Yeah, just let's turn real quick to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's just read this. Prayer. This is a Holy Spirit inspired prayer. Starting in verse 17. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit helped breathe this prayer in Paul for the believers in the church of Ephesus. Let's pray this right now for us. Lord, we just pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. We pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened, that we will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church. We, the church, which are his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Lord, we receive that right now. We receive strength and deception removed, Lord. We receive the inheritance of your surpassing greatness of power to us who believe. We receive that our eyes are opened. And Lord, as we receive that deception being lifted and our eyes being opened, we ask you for strength to walk it out and to be who you've called us to be. Lord, the believers, the ones who walk in your normal things, your natural things, the ones who shine the glory of God, let us be who you've called us to be and nothing short of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.